Welcome, everyone, to the Sickos Committee podcast. This is our podcast for the evening of July 23rd, 2023. It is getting to the end of July. We are approaching college football season, and it feels kind of surreal at this point because unlike last summer where I feel like I wasn't nearly as plugged into sports consistently, I've been watching CFL. I've been watching Women's World Cup. I've even been watching some baseball. I watched some cricket. So I feel way more plugged in than like this feels way more continuous than last year. I did watch some slam ball. Welcome back, slam ball. I was talking to commission the chat about slam ball last time. And I went, hey, how did everyone not just like tear all their ACLs last time? And commission goes, oh, they did. And I went, oh, they fixed it for now. No, no, they haven't. We'll see how long this lasts. With me, as always, I have commish. I have permanent squatters, Beth and Pick Girl, and special guest, Dr. Garage. Dr. Garage, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm hanging by a lake in northern Michigan and doing my best to not think much about present-day Northwestern football uh, as I'm here to talk about a football season 60 years in the past. Pick Girl, how are you? I'm good. I did several things this weekend, including took Friday off and did Barbenheimer at the local independent cinema. Had a very good time with that. Both movies are excellent. And the boyfriend and I went to a Texas Hippie Coalition show at a local venue. They are a metal band. Had a good time with that as well. Beth, welcome home. How are you? Country roads took me home to the place I belong. And the cats just used the cat box. And I hate it. So I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) And Kamesh? Hanging in there this weekend. Uh, I I think we've reached 15 days in a row, over 100 degrees in San Antonio. We're we're going for that 1962 record of, I think, 21 days straight of 100 degrees. I think we got a shot. We had some random rain here today for for maybe like 15 minutes and the power flickered because it was heavy storms apparently uh all the fuses in my garage just like blew out (laughs) so that's not confident that's like i don't have confident in that uh, you have fuses uh, you know again i i I went to check the fuse box i'm like okay It, it didn't blow but apparently that little thing inside the plug where it has the reset light it keeps triggering and i'm like okay what is this so i unplugged I get on the ladder, unplug the garage door opener, unplug everything in the garage, and it's still going off. And I'm like, there's nothing else plugged in here. What is going on? I am calling an electrician. So basically, my AT&T internet box is in the garage and is hooked up to the... Oh, God. So I didn't have internet. And then I'm like, okay, why do I not have power in the garage? So I basically, my Wi-Fi connection right now is via extension cord. From the, the, the AT&T box out in the garage <laughs> and, and plugged into the the laundry room, which is right next to the garage, which apparently every other plug works except the garage. So there's an extension cord bringing me, bringing me <laughs> into your podcast app right now. You you tweeted so hard you broke your electricity. Basically. No, no, he didn't tweet. He skeeted so hard. Or he oh, he's he X'd so hard. Zeeted. Zeeted. Z-did. You're this. You're practically the same age as me. You know how uncomfortable that phrase is. <laughs> Every time somebody says skeet, it's just. I, I mean, just get, oh. get low. Get low. To the window. To the window. To the wall. To the wall. That was always something I would like scream drunk. If I were really drunk, you could just. Hear, you could guarantee you could hear me from a corner, like my fraternity basement, going to the windows. Yeah, just like 
It got played at middle school dances when I was in middle school. It's still a thing. The youths are aware of Get Low. So... So was is there was there a PG version? Yeah, no. Oh no. Well, I mean, I, I think, mean, it's it's really badly edited, I, I, but I mean, everybody I, still says. So- yeah, I think theoretically they were playing the like middle schooler appropriate version, but everybody knows the, wall, the words. Kids bop. Oh, yeah, kids bop. Oh, kids bop. I would not be shocked low. at all if there's a kids bop version of Get Low. Oh, there is. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and drop this in the chat right now. Why why is the first thing that comes up like in the other suggested questions when I Google this is kids bop illegal? <laughs> <laughs> Me and your daughter. <laughs> Legali- legalize kids bop, I say. I walked I so I walked into the hallway at our family vacation this weekend to find my two year old niece running back and forth across a hallway as my seventy eight year old father, who definitely doesn't know this song, goes, All right, Lily, to the window. Now to the wall. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like, what is the oldest you can be in kids bob? It's gotta be like below ten, right? I think. Uh, uh, 12. Yeah. 9 12. to 12. Okay, 12. So it's it's the updated uh, version of the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. All, all I know is that my seven-year-old at some point in the last year said that Kids Bop was one of her favorite bands. Yeah. Target demographic, five to ten-year-olds. The one is seeing Kesha's, Kesha's TikTok, but not the dirty version. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they want to go to the window, to the wall. I, I so Go out into the hall. Go all my friends now call. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. This is turning into Dr. Seuss with rapidity. <laughs> it is very tough to not finish that, yeah, that it lyric. It, it is very difficult. I, this is why I had to leave the while. room. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I really just want to say my balls, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> just like that, my balls. My balls. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I, I just... uh, here, let me, let, me guide this, let me guide this chat a little bit. Okay. Here, let me be your guide. I'm going to I'm going to piggyback off of what Pig Girl said about Oppenheimer. Okay. Because our first thing is going to be talking about nuclear reactor talk part 2. During the <laughs> Idaho preview, I mentioned that Wazoo had a nuclear reactor and I mentioned that other schools did too. We've talked about this a little bit before. Yeah. And then Chris Vanini made a comment about what if for history, the world's first nuclear reactor was built under Stag Field at University of Chicago's football stadium in 42 because Chicago had dropped football in 39. First off, did you guys know this? Was this something that's part of your like trivia knowledge? I was aware of this. It also appears in Oppenheimer. Tiny spoiler for those of you who have not seen the movie. He saw the movie and then he referenced this. So yeah, it was called Chicago Pile One. It was in a racquetball court actually under the field, under the West Grandstand. And the way they describe building it is always very funny because it was just a pile of graphite with some like holes drilled into some of it. They dropped in just like slugs of uranium. And had control rods that they would like lower in with a rope. And to scram it, which means to shut down the nuclear reaction, there was a dude with an axe. And his job was to scram it by cutting the rope and dropping it in. And that's how Chicago Pile 1 started. It only was about like a half kilowatt of power. It wasn't very much. And it didn't have any shielding. It was just a a pile of graphite and uranium. And so they didn't. They, they knew it was kind of dangerous, so they didn't get it going. They actually ended up rebuilding it outside of town. But, but And the real tragedy is that Stag wanted to run the pile of graphite and uranium offense, but, you know, the university shut him down and yeah. built this pile instead. You always hear stories about people, there being like crazy things under football fields or whatever. 
but literally Chicago's football field had a nuclear reactor underneath it. And that's, I think the one that we always reference is something underneath the football field. It was probably Tennessee in the, the morgue underneath Neyland stadium. Yeah. So yeah, that was when, when I went there at my only time, it was autumn. Okay. There's a morgue underneath. Is this a joke? Is this like the thing that you tell people like ask about the basement in the Alamo, or, I mean, is this like the local joke? But no, no, apparently there's a morgue underneath Milan football stadium. So what other, well, we've got the Eagles that have football jail. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. We've got, is it the Giants or the Jets that have, or the Jets that have Jimmy Hoffa? Uh, it was in the former Giants The, the old Meadowlands, yeah. The old Meadowlands, yeah. yes. What else do we have? I mean, we've got the, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the fault line in the East Bay? That runs directly under Cal Stadium. Oh, the San Andreas. Oh, yeah, the San Andreas Fault. It's not San Andreas. It's, oh, no, it's, it's yeah. Hayward, one of the other ones. Yeah. Hayward Fault. Okay. Hayward Fault, which is an offshoot of the San Andreas that meets back up with it. Yeah. I think there, that. There was but, briefly a Red Sox jersey in New Yankee Stadium, but they got the guy who put it in and then, like, chiseled it back out. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a cemetery right by Bryant Denny Stadium for Alabama, which is little. It's not under the stadium, but close enough. Yeah, Teal's a wayside is all cemetery. Uh, apparently, <laughs> Oklahoma uh, buried their their mascot Mex uh, in Memorial Stadium, which was a former dog that they had as a mascot in the early 1900s. Which was do, the re- do like dead revs count technically as under the stadium? They are next to the stadium, facing the end zone, so they can watch the game. Used to be able to actually see the scoreboard, but they they blocked them in, so now they have a little mini scoreboard outside for them to watch. So this was like, we started about this and, and Chris Vanini asks, does the Manhattan Project work if it did? Like if Chicago didn't lose 14 straight Big Ten games? That's a great question. Because <laughs> where else? It got moved to Chicago because all these, these they were working on this in like disparate parts. Columbia was a big center for this. And it got moved to Chicago. I can't remember why. It got moved to Chicago because it was sort of a central place for everyone to come work before they moved everything out to Los Alamos and Oak Ridge and whatever. And then the question is, if... Reddit CFB asked, if your World War III ever comes around and one Big Ten team must be sacrificed, who you got? Well, and, I know what Beth and I are going to say. Yeah. Well, yes. And and they have a nuclear reactor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I quote tweeted it and said, so in the Big Ten, here are the schools who have nuclear research reactors. <laughs> Maryland, Purdue. Who let, who let Maryland have a reactor? Like, that, that, that feels weird. I don't know. Maybe it's got some. I feel like their reactor has Old Bay in it. But, you know, it, it just does. It just radiated the, Old Bay. They did. If, they told us they got new. <laughs> what was right. is, is, that's Gamera, isn't it? No, which one's which? What's the giant Godzilla turtle? Is that Gamera? Gamera. It's Gamera. Godzilla. Is this not oh, how we funny. create the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? If I told you that Maryland got their reactor by just borrowing it from Clemson one weekend and then just never returning it. I believe that. Would you buy it? Because I would. MIT has a reactor, and I feel like that's too on point. I feel like Pickerel and I are going to take some heat here for the Penn State hate of obviously wanting to stick this thing in Happy Valley. Mm-hmm. But I would remind you that the number of abandoned mine shafts that would serve incredibly well for this purpose around here is, like, they proliferate. There's no reason that you could not do this here. I believe Stanford Our definitely... already ruined. Yeah. What, what if we put a re- uh, research reactor in Centralia? Isn't that what's already going on there? <laughs> Maybe. The reaction is about the combustion of coal, but it is definitely research. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanford has a linear accelerator pretty close to the football stadium. It's not quite on the level as the gigantic one in Switzerland, but it's not far behind and a lot of really cutting edge 
alarming things happen there, which maybe just means Stanford should be included in the Big Ten. Michigan State fans were all of a sudden in our mentions going, well, we don't have a reactor, but we have a we have a linear beam that's fucking awesome. Look at us. We're cool, too. Everyone calm down, okay? <laughs> we know everyone's got fun, dangerous things going on. And the real question for me after learning that Stanford has a linear accelerator is if the football program or the accelerator is more likely to rip a hole in the fabric of reality. It's a great question. I think it's actually, they've got a gigantic satellite telescope dish on a hill. And I think that is eventually going to be responsible for an alien invasion. I I would frankly be a little surprised if it doesn't. People love to hike up there, though. They call it the dish. I just dropped in the chat a a sketch of the setup for Chicago Pile 1. And you can see that it was just a pile of things in wood. Completely safe. Very safe. Then there was one, there's one, the one dude on the floor is the one controlling the reaction. Everyone else was watching from a little further away, but not that far. Totally safe. I like that it's a like Victorian era etching. Every time I read about this, about first pile and they were just like, it wasn't quite guessing, but it was definitely like, this should work. We're not quite sure how fast it's going to get out of hand. And Josie then, quit lithographing and come back over <laughs> here and hold the ax. Then I went back to the wazoo thing. Cause we, again, we talked about wazoo's nuclear reactor and then I found out it's on the golf course first because someone said that you can tailgate in the parking lot of the reactor building. That's awesome. And then I found out it's on the golf course. And then NC State fans were like, well, ours is in the middle of campus and no one knows it's there. And people walk by it every day. Then we had like a, a dick with swinging contest of basically <laughs> of like, we can get, you can get closer to our reactor and party near it. And then there were a lot of people going, well, I was in college after 9-11 and things were real weird at that point. People <laughs> with guns were outside that building all of a sudden. So we're giving an award now for sneakiest reactor. Yes. Let me see if I can find the picture of someone sent of NC State's reactor being built because it was really great. Hold up. My favorite university reactor story, though, is still the, the girl at Utah who got arrested for making terroristic threats after she said that she would, like, break in and blow it up if Utah lost. Mm-hmm. I had several people tag me in that story and be like, this is you, but Pitt. And I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but thank you. Dear FBI, who's reading these tweets, I will not do this. No, dear FBI, I am... I do not have the technical capacity to actually launch Sean Watson into the sun, no matter how many times I have tweeted about it. So I, I wanted to say somebody in our, our mentions actually did an FBS nuclear reactor power rankings. They broke them down by conference. So number one is the Big Ten. They have five. That is Maryland, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, and Wisconsin. Tied for second, the Big 12, BYU, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Texas, then the Pac-12, also tied for second, Arizona, Oregon State, Utah, and Wazoo, which we're talking about. The SEC, also tied for second, which I, I think I maybe messed that up earlier. We have Florida, Mizzou, and then two for Texas A&M. They have one reactor for the A and one reactor for the M. The Mountain West has two, Colorado State and New Mexico. The ACC has one, which they're very proud of, apparently, at NC State. Then the other conferences that do not have any, that is the American conference usa the mac and the sunbelt have to give we out. need to get the sunbelt we got to get someone in the sunbelt and nuke i, I don't know we if have you want, to I don't, I don't think you want nuclear reactions in monroe louisiana but uh the funnest belt yeah that'll uh, really I, put I mean, the fun gonna, in fun row <laughs> if you're gonna build a, a belt that is the sun there's some kind of nuclear reactor attached all right we gotta that pick was... it pick 
pick pick a Sunbelt school that that needs a nuclear reactor. Let's let's go. We're, okay. We can't give it to the Raging Cajuns. They're too upset. That's no. That's yeah. yeah. Too much. I, I in it's in their name. Yeah. No. They're 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 reactive. Yeah. I'm gonna give it to Georgia Southern. I think Statesboro needs a nuclear reactor. Okay. All right. Just God. to keep balance. Well, I mean, Godfrey would really appreciate that. I think so. Yeah. Or sorry, Uh-oh. I know we. I feel like we have learned some things from uh, Fukushima Daiichi. But Coastal Carolina, Myrtle Beach, is a beautiful place for reactors. Not known for hurricanes coming through, I know. No. So I think that that's totally safe and fine. And if the ground turns radioactive green, not going to notice a big difference at Myrtle Beach or the teal field. The place I would most like to put a reactor is in Boone. Oh, yeah. But, oh, but you, can't, you can't do it in the coal belt. You just can't do that. <laughs> I mean, Marshall with nukes is something to think about, too. I think Beth oh, is. Uh, Beth might be. Okay, if Marshall can't level their goalposts, oh no, I don't trust them <laughs> with control rods. I'm just saying. The list of things I don't trust Marshall with is a very long list. What What if we put it at Georgia State just to sort of rub it in at Georgia Tech that they don't have one? How does Georgia Tech not have one? It feels very weird that Georgia Tech doesn't have one. Neither does Georgia. Like, can they be the only school that has one in Georgia? Because that would be great. Yeah. Well, I mean, Georgia not having one makes sense because Georgia Tech's the engineering school, right? But, like, Georgia Tech is the engineering school Mm -hmm. in the ACC, and they don't Mm -hmm. have one. What were you saying, Dr. Raj? I was just saying give Kennesaw State one. That's great, too. That's Yeah, do that. First nuclear plank. (laughs) It's It's a control rod. It's not a plank anymore. It's an inanimate control rod. I did drop in the chat a picture of the campus where it is, and then also what it looked like when it was being built into the ground at NC State. Did they tell people what they were building? Yeah. Or were they just like, here's our new student union. Don't ask questions. <laughs> the best part is apparently that most of the engineering stuff has moved out from that part of campus. So it's the only engineering building in that part of campus now. The quads right there. It looks really nice. Yeah. NC State's campus is, I, I spent a while at NC State's campus when I had a previous job. And the one thing that's, that's, the part that I was on was gorgeous, but the thing that was very weird for me as a Pitt alumna is that they have basically three separate campuses that are all like half a mile to a mile apart from each other. Okay. So where I was, you would walk past the student union and go to Howling Cow, which I highly recommend. We went twice in a week because the ice cream was so good. The baseball fields and softball fields right are like right there, but you have to like drive somewhere else for football like it's not close at all you can't walk there very strange very nice though i would i would go back wait which reed college is it that has a nuclear reactor it can't be that reed right wait what it can't be oh, no. that reed right it phew, i know some reed graduates they better know oh god it is that reed how it, it holy Kamish, do you know Reed College? No, I'm not aware. And please uh, make, Reed make, College, make myself aware. And I, I love Reed College. I, Same. I love Reed College. But, they recruited me. Um, I want you to think of like, uh, well, so their unofficial motto is uh, liberalism, atheism, communism. <laughs> They're in Portland, Oregon. On okay. the oh, that, makes, side. that makes a lot of sense. Uh, are you on the website of the Reed Research Reactor? No, I'm not. Because right I, I am. Okay. So they give you two sentences about the Reed Research Reactor on the main page. Sentence number one, the Reed Research Reactor has been used for training, research, and educational projects since its establishment in 1968. That is troubling enough. Then there's sentence number two. 
Safety, security, and compliance with the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission regulations have been the reactor's highest priority since its inception. It's a two senses like, hey, we've had this forever, and don't worry, guys. I have never been more worried. Good. Look, we have yet to have a meltdown, and all of us were on acid while it was being built. Confirmed. Like, yeah, Reed actually, they sent me a recruiting letter, uh, not for sports, just for school, and it was a lowercase r made out of the material that Java jackets at coffee shops are. Yep. That kind of nice bubbled corrugated thing. And that's all it was. It, it just had read.edu on the back. And I very seriously thought about applying and going because they sent me a giant lowercase r. When I was still teaching school, one of my seniors went there. And I have never been prouder of any of my kids in my entire life because she went from Texas to Reed and just like is living the best life ever. There is understand she can never come back to Texas. Oh, right? she's tainted. She cannot come back anymore. <laughs> there is a whole subsection in the Wikipedia page for Reed College that just it it is titled and it's several paragraphs. Drug use. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Timothy there Leary is just outside looking in. I had a friend, there's an owl statue apparently at Reed that regularly gets stolen and like class kind of gets canceled to try to recover the owl. <laughs> I gather. I had a friend who stole the owl and hid for weeks. Like just didn't go to school for weeks because he was hiding the owl <laughs> in various locations and trucks moved him around. I just posted a picture of the owl in the chat. I'm choosing oh, that's to believe a great that this owl. university is actually just the world's largest and most complex ver game of capture the flag. Everything I've heard about that is basically that, yeah. And they've got a nuke, nuclear reactor. Good for them. Okay, good to know. Learned that today. PIL. So then let's talk about some media days. Pac-12 media days was held at a nightclub. That's all I really want to say about that. Except that they were also saying, we're here to talk about football, not about a media rights deal. Then they go, well, you know, we probably have, you know, we probably have one ready to go. And someone goes, so do you? And they went, well, we're not saying that. Oh, the, the, you're probably reading too much into that. The quote was, though, about this, the longer we wait, the better our options get. That has never been true for anything. Maybe the media rights deal was in the VIP room at the nightclub. They just needed to pay their cover charge, bottle service, mm -hmm. and bam, Pac-12 media deal done. I then pulled up what the uh, the bottle costs are for the the club, and I know like I'm not a club person. Obviously, I'm not a Las Vegas club person, especially. But I did not realize how high bottle service gets. The one that should that should take note was that if you were looking for a a bottle of Maker's Mark bourbon for bottle service, it's seven hundred and fifty dollars. Now, Commission, I know you're the partier amongst us. You want to describe what bottle service is, sir? Well, you know, really, the, the high-class experience of when you go to a club is you're not buying the bottle, you're buying the table. So you get a private table because you're at a club and there's nowhere to sit. And you're very, very tired. So you really, really tired from uh, being outside in 120-degree heat all day long in Las Vegas at the pool. You're so desperate to sit down, you shell out 750 bucks for Maker's Mark. Then the club folks come out and bring the bottle with some fancy fancy fireworks going along with that and some sparklers just just going everywhere just to bring you a bottle of maker's mark and you're like where's the ice i need ice please give me some ice or uh 725 for fireball and then <laughs> and then when you get that table when you get that bottle 
you have a bunch of new friends. I bet. A bunch of new friends coming to the table. Hey, can I can I get a little bit of that kettle one that you just purchased? Or hey, I mean just just give me a little bit. Just a little. I promise I'll be okay. That bottle of Malibu you just bought for seven hundred and twenty five dollars. That's right. I want some of that forty one proof coconut rum and pineapple juice. Give me some of that bottle of suntan lotion. <laughs> You're drinking sunscreen. I mean, get a Nebuchadnezzar of Ace of Spades. I think Do that's it. only fifty thousand dollars. Sure. Uh, the sorry, that was a that was a Balthazar of Ace of Spades. A Balthazar. A Excuse Nebu- me. They, all they have is a Nebuchadnezzar of Vivet. If, if our listeners don't know, don't know champagne bottle sizes. After you get to a certain point, they start being named after biblical kings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so past the Magnum, which is because one because they're years. literally the volume of that king. Yeah. The Jeroboam is a, a three liter, a Methuselah is a six liter, a Balthazar is a 12 liter bottle, and a Nebuchadnezzar is a 15 liter bottle, which weighs, I think, 90 pounds. There's also a 25 liter, um, which I cannot remember the name of. I'm just excited to announce the Pac 12's new media deal with TVG, your home for horse racing uh, footage and Pac 12 football. Oh, my, my dad's going to be upset. Seriously, he watches nothing but TVG in horse <laughs> racing. It's incredible. TVG, he's only got TVG. Just, he's like, oh, they're, they're running. I'm doing some. Uh, there's, he has like a TVG app and he does like betting on these horses. It's ridiculous, man. As soon as she said TBG, I'm like, oh, my dad's watching. He's going to be upset that Oregon State's on. I did. Someday I will tell you the story about my dad and horse racing, but not today. <laughs> if they go TVG, they've got to sign Boise State to the Pac-12. I mean, you would think mm-hmm. so, right? Bring the Broncos. Come on, let's Broncos, go. Broncos, you need the Mountain West on, on TVG. You got the Cowboys, the Broncos. I have fallen down a wine bottle size rabbit hole mm-hmm. okay uh the largest one according to winefolly.com is 18 liter- liters and it is called the solomon 24 Ooh. standard bottles of wine oh see wikipedia says the 18 is the melkor oh. the 20 is the solomon the 27 is the primate or goliath or in the 30 is the melchizedek or midas okay the melchizedek is the one i was trying to think of the there 30. we go 30 liter so double the uh, Nebuchadnezzar. It's only forty bottles of wine. Only forty. Well, I mean, you can share it with your 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 new friends at your bottle <laughs> service table. I don't know if you guys caught the, uh, the the Formula One race today, but Lando Norris is on the podium. They're all going to shake their bottles. His won't go, so he slams it down to make the cork pop out. And Max Verstappen wins the race, and Lando hits the ground so hard, Max's trophy falls over and shatters. <laughs> Uh, like breaks off top because it's like Hungarian porcelain. It's beautiful. And like Lando is just a fucking idiot and just like pops it down to get the champagne bottle to go and just wrecks a trophy. Beautiful. I mean, I, I love a trophy getting wrecked during the ceremony. My favorite <laughs> moment. Everyone knows Pete Weber as the who do you think you are? I am guy. Yeah. But when he was really young, he won some major trophy at like 19 and he held it up and just the whole trophy fell off and shattered in front of him. And he's wearing a green jacket. I don't know if it was like the Masters of Bowling or what it was, but it's one of my absolute favorite things. I'll find you the... This is why it's important to weigh your trophies, because once they shatter, we're not sure how much of that is just the dust and detritus from the ground that we swept into the bin. We need accurate measurements now, everyone. So on to SEC media days. The best part about this was in the preseason poll, five people picked Vandy to win the SEC. And we, sure. got, and we got accused of this. That's five votes. We have, at best, we have one. It's funny that they thought we got invited to SEC Media Days. Well, I mean, we did get that sneaker, uh, sneaker, sticker <laughs> snuck in <laughs> to the 
sneaker. A sneaker. Oh, it, was a a, sneaky, it was a sneaky, a sneaky sticker. sticker. Uh, or a sneaker. The, the sticker voted. <laughs> the sticker voted. You know, the funny thing is, I get to claim it in the replies. I'm like, well, you know, we are a committee, so we could have had more votes. And I mean, right now we got five on the podcast. So who's to say yeah. us us five didn't do it? Uh, I, I love that Vandy got eight first place votes to finish in the East. But then those... Over only, Georgia. Over Georgia. Uh, only five of them stood to their convictions to say that Vandy would win the SEC. The, the, eventual, Van, the eventual Vandy Alabama championship game. That's yeah. right. Uh-huh. I love that Mississippi State got one in the West. And so I'm just imagining this person has Vandy and Mississippi State in the SEC championship game. Atlanta will be packed. I mean, the, I mean seriously, yeah. Hey. That happens. I, I I will have to find a way to get to Atlanta. It's a, I, I can get a nonstop flight here for sure, but I definitely need to get my butt to Atlanta if it's Vandy and Mississippi State in the SEC championship game. The cowbells would blot out the sun. Oh God! Eight people believe in this scenario. One person said that A and M would win the SEC. Two people said Arkansas would win the SEC. Five people said Tennessee would win the SEC, and five people said Vanderbilt would win the SEC. <laughs> Preseason polls. If you're gonna do this, guys, do it like this. Be funny. Mm-hmm. It's a preseason poll. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Do they allow write-ins for SEC champ? Like, did anyone vote for Memphis or Tulane? Somebody was upset that <laughs> Georgia Tech. Somebody is Suwanee's coming back. Yeah. That's right. They were like, we need to vote for Suwanee. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. The centenary gentlemen are coming back to football, and they're coming to the SEC. The gents. What do they call their women's teams? The late the ladies. The lady gents. <laughs> I think I don't know. We, I'm gonna have to look it I up. hope it's the ladies. You said Definitely that with don't so check much I hope it's the lady gents. gents it ladies can be gents too. Campaign. Ladies can be gents too. It's and the then... centenary gentlemen and ladies. So centenary ladies. Ladies. The ladies. Hey, ladies from Shreveport. And then we had our Conference USA preseason media poll. Western Kentucky almost takes it all, which I will of course bleep. Gets four, gets four first place votes and then nothing for anyone else. That's disappointing. I will say that we have to remember that Jacksonville state and Sam Houston state are not eligible for the champion, the, the title game, which is annoying, but uh, Jacksonville state was not ranked last. FIU was tied for Sam Houston last. This conference USA is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. Seriously. The, the middle three in this projected poll are, are going to be the best. That's middle Tennessee, La Tech, New Mexico state, and UTEP. So Those good. Those four oh, are going to be the most blood. fun coming up this year. I just want a UTEP NMSU title game. A Good rematch. God. Ooh. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to have to describe how I got to this thing. Someone tagged us in a tweet and they showed me a picture of some, a Texas Tech uniform that I'm going to drop in the chat. And they went, hey, what is the logo in this, in this? I want to see if you guys recognize it. That's Cliff Kingsbury, by the way. I think that's Cliff Kingsbury. In a Texas Tech jersey. With like a little dude. I have never seen this before. It was a uh, wasn't it like pro player one or something like that. A big time player. Big time player. All right. Oh, I got big that. Time the I thought it was maybe that life is good, <laughs> like set of t-shirts that they sell at every resort town. Sorry. Right. On the back it said Salt Life. And it, this sent me down <laughs> a, a rabbit hole. Uh, this is an Espedition article by Morgan Moriarty, who. Also pointed out, of course, the Aeropostale Yukon jerseys that are great. Yeah. I did not know that Aeropostale also had made pit gear too for a while. Oh, not yes. uniforms, but made like 
Polos. Yeah. They like, made a whole bunch of shit. They like briefly attempted to make the student section the arrow zone. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was not a good time. Uh, they also attempted to, to, that was the football student section. They also attempted to kill the nascent Oakland Zoo with some sort of corporate branded Aeropostale student section. That did not go well. And then we had, of course, when New Balance was still more of a big thing, they, now they're just Maine, I think. But this is a uh, Central Michigan New Balance jersey, which isn't the worst. But then it got me to something that I completely forgot about. Something called Apex One. Oh, yeah. And Apex One's uniform choices were just amazing. I'm going to drop them in the chat as I go. I'd forget. This is, this is like pre when Ooh. I was conscious. <laughs> what the fuck of, is that? Of like college football, really? No, 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 ghosts. That's not how you do pasties. Dude, I love. Oh my god, the oh god. The yeah, Arkansas that is not one. where the pasties go. <laughs> I got a Hawkeyes one. I like those. And I got a Wisconsin one too. I've forgotten. Also, they were responsible for some really bad Cowboys uniforms as well. But they just love these. They just like big shoulder things. That's all they did. I don't hate the Wisconsin ones. They're very 90s, and it's not only because of the starter logo above the numbers, but all the other ones of these are not great. I think Apex One was, they were starter and Converse, I think. It was a couple of things. Yeah, there was a bunch of, like, there was a bunch of apparel companies around that time trying to get more into this stuff, and then they, they went a little bit off the rails. I, I, I'm going to go Minnesota on one, by the way. I love the Minnesota one, by the way. I like the, oh, so I like the Iowa one, honestly. It gives the impression of, like, there's Hawkeye feathers on the shoulder pads, and I, I kind of like that one. It goes well. We can look this up later, but did And One ever sponsor any college teams? I hope so. I know they had Stefan Marbury's shoes at one point. They were called the Ankle Breakers, and he broke an ankle wearing them, which <laughs> is just, like, the greatest shoe launch of all time. They do what they say on the tin. Yep. The the pigs on the shoulders of the Arkansas yep. one coming like around his way. Someone else will also know then that same picture. Whatever South Carolina uniform that dude's wearing, the helmet does not match the jersey color. Those are not the same garnets, and that's weird. The Minnesota one with the dueling M's on the shoulders with like a line coming across. That's that's just a choice, and I love it. It has big heart monitor vibes. It does. It should say like love and cursive, like through a heart monitor. Reader Will Secor just pointed that out in the chat. Yep. Gotta give him a shout out for... Live, laugh, goof. Live, right. laugh, sky, you, ma. Okay, next thing. A Twitter user, DadgumBoxScores, who does fun data science-y things like I do, except better, pointed out that the ACC is on a really weird one this year in that there are some teams that have multiple Thursday and Friday night games. Mm -hmm. Hey, Louisville, you have two Thursday and two Friday night games. Why? Hey, Virginia, you have two Friday games. NC State, Miami has two Friday night games. What are we doing? None of these teams want anyone to look at them is a big part of the answer. It is. As far as Miami like, goes. Don't look at me. I'm hideous. It's just like Miami We're last year hiding on the Valley network like the regional one where you can oh find yeah it. every time <laughs> my like three weeks in a row after the middle tennessee loss they're on like the regional valley network oh we still found you though i will say everybody gets looked at during the thursday games mm -hmm. we can see That's you true. i know we can see you <laughs> everyone is going to see mm -hmm. what's what's your thursday? I, I assume with louisville that jeff brahm is just really committed to mowing his lawn on saturdays and that's why he's trying to get the game out of the way before the weekend hey girl what is your what's that thursday game for y'all i am checking right now it's not unc it, it has it been unc for the last several years in a row and we always lose except for in 
2021 but we yeah it's i know it's not unc and let's 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 just all guess before pit girl tells us what is pitt's thursday night game and it's not unc so so guess boston college i'm going bc yeah, I think it is actually Boston College. Ah, okay, that feels right. <laughs> Got it in one. <laughs> I'm checking. Is, is it? Google is not cooperating. Uh, well, I know it's not Pitt and Syracuse because they're playing in Yankee Stadium. So. <laughs> and if they move the brawl to another Thursday, I'm going to pitch a fit. Uh, yeah, I know. The brawl is it's not BC. moving. It's BC. It's it is BC? BC? Okay. Yep, yeah. on, yep. Sorry, that's in Pittsburgh on Thursday, November 16th. Correct. Oh, oh no. Can you do oh. it on a on a rainy, cold day in Pittsburgh? Tickets as low as twenty dollars. The last time I cannot. Played, the last time we played BC, that was I think. Did we play BC in the COVID? We played BC in the COVID year. That doesn't count. The last time we played them before that was in Chestnut Hill on a Friday for some godforsaken reason. Oh, this one's on a Thursday. So listen, this is the traditional American celebration of the week before Thanksgiving. <laughs> of course, they would never move. ACC Power UNC to any day but Saturday because all of their games are on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they got to do that for Mac Brown. He's he's got to keep he's got to stay regular. He needs a, a regular schedule. And then the last fun thing I heard about this week was can I talk about the Sacred Cod Trophy? <laughs> go, go right ahead. I think Beth will love this. The, I the Sacred Cod Trophy. I very much missed this. I didn't have internet for four so, days. Someone point someone pointed out to me that there used to be a three way trophy between Boston University, Boston College, and Holy Cross. And it was called the Sacred Cod Trophy. It only lasted for about eight years. It is a trophy cup with a cod on it. Apparently in the Massachusetts State House, they have a sacred cod that hangs like in the State House. Mm-hmm. And that's and like, it's enormous. Yeah, it's huge. This one, not nearly as cool or as big. I will shout out Football Archaeology, who does lots of great research work when we have questions. He found this picture. I was looking for like an hour. Then he found this picture within like, 10 minutes because of course he did a picture with you guys so the the sacred cod in the massachusetts house is four foot 11 inches carved wood of an atlantic codfish painted to the life hanging in the house of representatives it is a memorial to the importance of cod fishery to the welfare of this commonwealth i just dropped the sacred cod trophy in the chat it's cute it was it was made up by a bunch of fraternity guys it has that vibe but there yeah, some this intense is... five o'clock shadow among the trio holding the sacred cod. Wait, oh god! There's some people that have actually stolen the sacred cod from the Ma- Massachusetts House. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been stolen several times. <laughs> In 1933, the sacred cod was briefly codnapped. Oh, Wikipedia! By the editors of the Harvard Lampoon, prompting police to drag the Charles River and a search airplane <laughs> landing in New Jersey. I will say it's like the intercourse town sign then. Okay. (laughs) I I will, I will say that uh, Boston college won this award in 54, 55, 58. Holy cross won it in 56 and 61. Boston university never won the award. Oh, so, so technically Holy cross would still have four terriers, right? Yeah. Yeah, Holy cross would still have it. Holy cross. You know what you must do. So one, one of our committee members emailed Holy cross to try to find the location of the sacred cod trophy to see if it still exists. And they emailed yesterday, which, you know, it's the weekend and I'm sure these people, maybe we should email from our account too. That should be fun. Like, like, Hey, Holy cross yeah. athletics. Uh, do you also have that fish? And I can't where, tell where if that fish good or terrible. <laughs> and I how much does the fish or... weigh? <laughs> how big that fish? How big that fish? 
It was just nobody big. tell Ben Bill Simmons about this because he's a Holy Cross grad and he'll do like a twelve episode podcast series about looking for the Sacred Cod trophy if he finds out. Oh, I do like the this idea of like cereal, cereal, but looking for the fish. Oh, I like this. We got we got to find our we got to find our cereal. <laughs> our cereal is going to be hunting down like an old mascot head somewhere. I mean, <laughs> like where did the where did the where did the felt Pete go? Where, where did where? the who go? Where, where, holy shit! Cost. Where did the who go? That's our. We went to Charlottesville to find where the who went. Where did the who go? What? You still want the that title Bitcoin. of our podcast is Hoomst. Hoomst. What happened to the paper mache Sparty? What happened to the Bitcoin Bowl trophy? I mean, mascot Act, trophy. the mascot. The, the mascot Actually, that one. That one. That one. If anyone, where knows... is Magic Jack? <laughs> we need to bring back the Magic Jack. If anyone knows the whereabouts of the Bitcoin Bowl mascot costume, you may have some interested purchasers. Let, let us you know. You know where we, to find us. We, I mean, we'll, us. I will buy storage for this. Honestly, I'm like, I mean, we're going to track down this cop. We found the we found the wooden boot. Our followers found the wooden boot between the ULM and the Raging Cajuns. Right. It was on some it was on, it was on some coaches like mental because nobody mental. wanted it. Because <laughs> nobody just took it home. Like, whatever. Where is the original civil conflict trophy? Because what we have now is not the original. No, it is. It is a is a reproduction. Someone Ocean's Eleven the original. I will just say there is a very handsome former UConn coach who is the top of my suspects list. Even though technically UCF won the last game that had the trophy, but one Robert Diaco is suspect number one so far as I'm concerned. I think we need to just start conspiracy theories about like listen. They're swapping stuff on the land grant trophy all the time. Oh yeah, that's like, not the original. Little... We know that's not the original land grant trophy. Like Look. this is the ship. Of, this is the trophy of Theseus. Yep, land grant trophy of Theseus. It's not the original just... Penn State Nittany Lion knickknack. And sometimes they'll just paste on pieces from the board game Mousetrap to see if anyone noticed. <laughs> we noticed. Yeah. We saw it. Yeah, we noticed. We saw the man in the pan. Come on, tonight on Sicko's Committee, unsolved mysteries. Here comes the net. <laughs> Who stole the original civil conflict trophy? What happened to the sacred card? We want to plug a few things. Join the Sickos Committee Patreon Discord. Now on the Patreon, we have special podcasts, including episode one of Kamish's Corner is up. He talked about 1988 Iowa and their three-tie season, which was an absolute wonderful mess. <laughs> Came into the season... Thinking they were going to win the Big Ten and end up four six and three six four and three. There was one thing I want to add to that too. Somebody said that Mike Francesa, of you know New York Media, the Yes mm -hmm. Network, he picked Iowa to win the national title that year. Swinging a mess. Yeah. Back after this, we are also going to have some other stuff coming on there soon. If you are a part of the Patreon and you want to listen to these things, not in Patreon app. You can basically add the RSS feed to your podcast app of choice that's not Spotify. If you need help doing that, send us a message or the instructions are there so it's easy to find. Next up, we have the Sickos Committee merch store, sickos-committee.selfie.store. We'll have more stuff going up as we get closer to the season. If you want some stuff for week zero, now's the time to order. If you want to make it known that you are a sicko and you need sticker stickers for your laptops or your water bottles or you need a new water bottle, go get one. Then we have the Message Board Geniuses podcast. They go to those places that we refuse to go. Let me go find a fun Message Board Geniuses post to talk about right now. I think you posted oh, one in the 
earlier. Was it the one about um not not the crazy golf guy trying night vision goggles? It was the uh Wi-Fi connectivity that UCF was gonna bring. Oh about. yes, yes. UCF UCF is bragging about their awesome Wi-Fi connectivity now. So there you go. Man, it really is a school for future Hilton night managers. It is. I'm not gonna double back on the night vision goggle story, golf story. I just wanna say that <laughs> I love that dude's idea. The most dad. The most dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait wife signed off. Sure. I guarantee you the wife was like, sure, honey, just so he would shut up. He was about just like, it. he was probably like, yeah, if you want to try to play golf more uh, at different. Yeah. He, he probably got permission, but not for this explicit thing. I'll just say that. Oh, there was oh. no, there's no way that night vision goggles came up in the, in no. the, no the way. Would it would be incredibly unethical. Like I know it's unethical, but would it be incredibly unethical? unethical? You know how this is. She's like, they're sitting around the dinner table. She's trying to have a conversation and out of nowhere, he's like, I just, I feel like it could work. And then he goes back to his mashed potatoes. Repeat that for about a month. And finally she's like, yep, you know what? I think it's, I think it's a great idea. Go for it. I just want to be done with this. Sculpting night vision goggles out of his mashed potatoes. Two little, two little bumps. You're making boobs again? No, it's night vision goggles, honey. (laughs) Then we have... The transfer portal and no conducts football season preview for 2023. If you missed the sale, they had it for $5 for a while, for five hours. But now it's back up to 10 again. They'll probably have another sale, but don't wait. Because it gives you previews of every FBS team, including interviews with players, including lots of great G5 coverage. The stuff that most of the big places aren't going to cover. So if you need a preview for the year, this is the place to go. The the cost too, if it's only $9.99, right? It comes out to about three cents a page. So just think of that value. Also, you get four pages from us. So we're worth at least 12 cents. Yeah, at uh, least. In that preview. I just like thinking about books in terms of cost per page. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Good value. Like the Communist Manifesto, not so great in terms of cost per page, as opposed to, I don't know, like most of the fantasy books on my shelf. Infinite Jest. Yeah. Finnegan's Wake. Real, 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 uh, real cost saver there. Yeah. Yep. Listen, the sun also rises is an absolute ripoff. Y'all should buy Twilight instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twilight full moon. No, what was it called? New moon. Eclipse. <laughs> I don't know it's called. Then, hey, did you guys know we have a YouTube channel? You should subscribe to it. Maybe one day we'll actually put real videos up there. But right now we just have our podcast up there. If you want that, it also has subtitles. So if you need subtitles, you can watch them there. And also, if you were just to, I don't know, push play on the playlist and let it run for a couple hours, we'd be fine with that too. It'd be great. Then Enterta- entertain your cat while you're at work. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not suggesting that you put it on mute in the background while you're at work, but I'm not not suggesting that you do that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really free uh, to subscribe on the YouTube account. Uh, take your friend's phone, just subscribe them. Take your parents' phone, subscribe them. Help us get to 500, and uh, that'll be the big push. We push. Oh, Jesus. I can't speak tonight. I'm sorry. But that's normal. Yeah. Then we we also have our Substack. <laughs> Kamish found an answer to his chip ratio problem. My so now God. he's done all eight thousand nine hundred data entries for this. It, I've okay. So the first that, that's the first that's the third part that was eight thousand nine hundred and three data entries in the spreadsheet that I just finished this third part. So the first two parts were already done. Uh, I'm I'm making some alterations to the the data and then you know our, our chief master spreadsheeter kevin is going to be working everything out and then i have to write for the substack and 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 put that up 
to explain what I'm doing here, I realized that now I'm going to have to explain what I'm doing. So I'm like, oh, great. Instead of just getting all this random data and like, here, you enjoy it. No, I'm going to explain why I did this, what I did this for, and just, just being completely ridiculously silly and going through recruiting histories of every single FBS team, which I started to notice a bunch of patterns in this, which is weird. There was a lot of double up classes like you would see like a friend and something from the same high school class a ton and then for some weird reason a lot of northern illinois team has recruits from georgia i don't i don't i didn't understand that but whatever you can see to the starchy matrix yeah i don't i don't i don't get it it really i have no idea the recruiting hometown method of each team it's very strange you would think you know, a team based in Texas would be like, have a lot of Texas players. Some of them didn't at all. It's very weird. We also have coming up as part of our conference preview and everything, we will be having our Sigos Committee Weather, Travel, and Football Master Almanacs Network that we are previewing. It will be our part of our conference previews on here and also the ones we write out. And it's going to be a lot of fun going soon. Yeah. So for the written version, we're going to call it a notebook. For the okay. out loud podcast version, it'll be a network. Jordan, would you care to give us an attempt at pron- pronouncing the acronym? That would be uh, SCWTFMAN. Squatman. Squatman. Perfect. Another successful acronym. We're so good at this. SEO is our passion. And lastly, if you like soft shirts, and especially if you are a fan of Florida State, Georgia Tech, or hey, St. John's Homefield Apparel is dropping uh, relo- uh, refreshes for Florida State and Georgia Tech this week, and also the new school St. John's with a very angry horse that looks very very cool. I'm very excited about. Somebody said that horse didn't belong on a T-shirt; it belonged on the side of a Van Halen uh, <laughs> conversion fan <laughs> airbrush. Amazing! If you've never ordered for Homefield before, use offer code yes ha 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 yes. That's three ha's for fifteen percent off your first purchase. If you have, look for our link. You'll still get a little kickback from that, and you'll still get a wonderfully soft shirt. So please do that this week. Hey, everyone. This is Editing Jordan here. Our guest, Dr. Graj, had his internet cut in and out a little bit, and it didn't record all the way. So there's going to be some gaps in this interview. I tried to glue it together as best as possible. I hope it makes as much sense as possible. He was a great guest. It was just that the internet was not working that night. So I hope you enjoy the story of Northwestern. Our next thing is we're going to turn it over to Dr. for a bit. Dr. Dr. Jesus you gotta bleep that. I know. Dr. Grosh for a bit. And he's gonna tell us a little bit about one, the current state of the Northwestern mess, and two, our best season of all time for teams who are below 500 all time, the SOTWAP 500 at the Northwestern Wildcats. Dr. Grosh, take it away, sir. Thank you so much, Jordan Committee. For those who don't know, Northwestern football has kind of been a dumpster fire for a long time. Um, uh, it was unacknowledged how much of a dumpster fire it was because Pat Fitzgerald had won some games at some point. So the fact that he built a program that just completely stopped winning games in the United States went largely unremarked upon. Um, We we do need to say that you did come on here on, I think on our second or third episode of this podcast and said that Northwestern would, would only win one game last year. And I think, I think we laughed at you and said you were just being negative. And I was very wrong about that. And I apologize for that. Yeah, and that was after they had already won the game in Ireland. That was the one that they beat Nebraska, and he was like, no, I swear. He was like, I don't think they're going to win another game. And then I started to go over the schedule. I was like, okay, 
they, if they lose to Southern Illinois, the Salukis, and Miami, Ohio, this is a good shot that they have there. So he, he called a shot there. He said, you know, Pat Fitzgerald at the time only really liked to play for trophies. And that was his trophy game theory. Uh, that's why he likes bowl games and just, just for a trophy. And so he won that trophy. Uh, and he did, which was a Waterford crystal football helmet, which he wore. Yes. And that was the last game he ever won as coach of Northwestern. They went 0-11 in the United States last year after defeating Scott Frost's woeful Nebraska Cornhuskers. And Fitz was rightfully fired. I don't even know how many days it's been now. Almost two weeks, I think. Um, for allowing hazing to go on in his program for his entire tenure and possibly dating back a long time. And um, for those who don't know, uh, I went to Northwestern. I am an actual Medill grad. Oh, um, oh. I, along with Roger Sherman, were pretty much the only Medill grads who actually went to Medill. And Fitz got brought down by other Medill students uh, at the journalism school because Northwestern apparently thought they could bury a hazing scandal at the best journalism school in the country. And in fact, it was about 18 hours from the time they tried to it was allow real fast. skate on a two-week scandal, a, a two-week suspension um, over this really disturbing and alarming hazing situation, which I won't go into great detail, other than to note that it festered for a long time. As a Northwestern fan who was very dismayed by the state of the football team and the athletic department, I will just say that I'm proud that the students picked up that thing, fixed it, and that the fans were largely very glad to see him gone. But that program remains a dumpster fire. There's an interim coach who ha was hired as DC in January, and uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll get better. Um, but a jumping off point I wanted to go with was there's been this uh, idea in a lot of the analysis and look back on Pat Fitzgerald being ejected from Northwestern and the best coach. This has been said over and over again, including by a lot of people I respect. And it might be true. Fitz has more career wins than anyone in Northwestern history as a head coach. His win percentage is nowhere near the best, um, which should be acknowledged. And there is no argument that any of his seasons were the best in Northwestern history. And so there's been this idea that if Northwestern isn't carried the, careful, the bottom might fall out and they might get really stinky. And first of all, there's nowhere really you can fall from 1-11. Like 0-12 is worse, but not by a lot. Yeah, that's we're, we're picking nits at that point. But also, no school is more familiar with the bottom falling out than Northwestern. And, and that is really where we jump off here. So uh, as we transition into talking about the best Northwestern season, this is a graphic from uh, CFB on Fox, which was shouting out every program that has ever held the number one spot in AP history. I would like all of you to take a look and call out who is most surprising that they have why ever been is, number one in the AP Why poll. is Northwestern on there? So that's the question that I had, which what led the? me to do some investigating. What the hell? And I will explain more in, a, in just a second. There's some other bizarre names on that list. Purdue being on here is weird. Syracuse being on here is weird. Virginia? Yeah. BC was good back in like... Is that, ancient is that c colgate okay what or is it might be cornell, 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 might be cornell. cornell. all right I was where, like, am I looking? Hold up, where am i looking i don't see it still weird next to missouri weird. state next to uh, missouri and missouri state that the bottom right hand side i think that's i think that's cornell cornell okay maryland yeah. so, maryland's also been one 
Apparently. Okay. Probably when Bear Bryant was there. A lot of teams that you would not expect have been ranked number one, and Northwestern is top of that list. 26. They went 7-1 and one under Glenn Thistlewaite. They had a really good run under someone named Dick Hanley. Uh, These are all great names. Happy. Uh, went 7-1. and one. And honestly, 36 is the only other contender besides the year that I chose that I think could be the best season in Northwestern history. Okay, in 1903, um, Northwestern played high schools. Correct. Yes, they did. <laughs> College football sure. is a land of contrast. Um, but uh, 36 was the first ever AP poll. Minnesota was either the two or even three-time defending national champion, and Northwestern beat them, and they were ranked number one in the very first AP poll, which held for exactly one week when they lost to Notre Dame, and they wound up that year number seven. The season I'm going to point to was not a championship year, and so he came in um, in the 50s. Let me get the exact year, I believe. Uh, repeat, repeat his, repeat his name again for me because you cut out for that. Probably the only other candidate besides Fitz for best coach in Northwestern history. He finished his career there at one game over 500. He went 36 and 35. I, I love his start. I love his start. Like he started four, four and one, and then the next year he was zero and nine. Yep. And then and back up to five and four. Oh God. Yeah. He he just kept grinding and and Ara. He was known as an innovator in the passing game. He really thought that football could advance. And the early 60s were a very strange time in the Big Ten. Michigan was terrible in that era. I believe one of Michigan's worst records ever was in 1962. Innovative pass attack under Parsegian. And their quarterback was Tom Myers, who... um, Northwestern, from what I can tell, tried to have a bit of a Heisman campaign for. Okay. And he had a huge breakout year in 62. He was <laughs> a Detmer powerhouse. He just needed one fewer pick or one touchdown to, like, really take it over the top. But he was a something's going to happen when he throws the ball downfield kind of guy. So um, they opened by bringing South Carolina to Evanston. Sure. Yeah. And I have no idea if South Carolina was good or not that year. Probably pretty bad. Yeah, they went 4-5-1. or five and one. Uh, But Northwestern beat them soundly, and then they hosted arch-rival Illinois in Week 2 and beat them 45 to nothing. Nice. And then the, two games? The, yes. That's weird. Which is, it's very odd. Oh. Um, they followed that up by going to Minneapolis, where they beat, point, again, the Big Ten was very odd. Minnesota was a perennial power. Um, and they upset Minnesota in Minneapolis, and that was a huge deal. They beat them 34 to 22, um, and they were immediately ranked number eight uh, after Ooh, beating Minnesota. They were unranked until then. That's a big jump. So they were three and zero, and they went at Ohio State, who was ranked number six at that point. Um, and Ohio State uh, was preseason number one overall, and. Um, again, scheduling used to be incredible. Uh, Ohio State opened by beating North Carolina in Columbus, losing at UCLA 7-9, to beating Illinois in Champaign, and then they were hosting Northwestern in Week 4. And Ohio State came to nothing lead, um, and were just dominating the Wildcats, and Northwestern rallied and came back and won 18-14. to And this... 
apparently journalists in the 60s were even more attached to nostalgia than journalists today are. Notre Dame was bad that year. Northwestern just blew them out. Uh, Pit Girl still beat Pitt that year, though. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> and then, in the most confusing thing ever, they played Miami of Florida the next week. And that was the last game of the year. They finished 7-2. and two. Uh, That was not technically winning an Orange Bowl, but I have decided to claim it as one. <laughs> Very famously, um, Northwestern had only won one bowl game ever before Pat Fitzgerald became the coach, which was the Rose Bowl uh, after the 1948 season. I think we should give them the 1962 Orange Bowl because they beat a good Miami team in the Orange Bowl. Um, but even though they went 7-2 and two, and they beat Minnesota... In the final polls, they only did an AP top 10, and Minnesota snuck back in at number 10, and Northwestern finished unranked. Parsegian, who had put together, again, a great team, beat real powers, Ohio State, Illinois, Notre Dame, but complained that he just didn't have the depth because there wasn't enough investment in the program. He had one year left on his contract, and rather than extend him, Northwestern got really mad that he complained that they weren't giving him enough resources and basically made it clear they weren't going to extend him. And so he had what is arguably the best season in program history, one of two times they've ever been ranked number one overall. They went 5-4 and four in 63, and they let him walk. And he went to Notre Dame, and he won at least two national championships at Notre Dame, and was amazing regardless. And Northwestern became the worst team in all of college football for an extremely long time, um, including a stretch in which they lost 34 games in a row. Um, not just conference games, all games. Oof. Ugh. And the lessons that I take from this are, number one, it turns out anyone can be number one. <laughs> they just have to get the right series of games going. And number two, anyone can make Northwestern great or terrible. Any coach hire could work or could be a disaster. Every college football program is more than any individual coach. We may be looking at another several decades of wilderness as they did after our Parsegian left for Notre Dame. Northwestern still did the right thing in Fire and Fits. And those are the 1962 Wildcats. I honestly, I thought you were you were talking about going with the 1948 Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, there was some, I was doing a little research on that because you mentioned that earlier. And then you're like, no, I'm going with 62. So I had a little bit of info on the 48 Wildcats. You mentioned that they... They won their only Rose Bowl. They've only been the two, and they won their only Rose Bowl in in uh, in 1948. They beat number five Cal, uh, and they finished eight and two that year. The fun thing about that one is that they lost to Michigan, so they didn't win the Big Ten. But there was a weird thing in that thing that the Big Ten would not allow you to go to the Rose Bowl more than once every three years. Yeah, like two years in a row or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so that's how Northwestern got their bid, and that's how they, they they won their only Rose Bowl. Also, I think they had a coach by the name of Lewis Henry Lou Saban in 1955. No relation. How did they to have such great names? <laughs> he had one year. One year. Lou Saban got one year at Northwestern, and he was 08 and one. <laughs> yep. Oh, who did they tie? Hold on. Well, I mean, the big thing with Northwestern is it's always up for debate who the worst coach ever was. They tied Illinois at the last game of the season. They tied Illinois 7-7. Oh, oh that's perfect. <laughs> the land of Lincoln Trophy. 
gets cut in half. 31 and 1, which is just a fever dream. Wait. Like, how do you pull that Wait, off? Wait, hold on. How do, you, how do you get left around long enough to do that? I better, mean, the thing is, like, better you just question, lose. why didn't you give him two more games so he could be a palindrome? True. You know, he he easily could have gone 133 and 1. That's a really good question, Beth. I won't lie. I'm going through the scroll, which, as everyone knows, is Northwestern's yearbook. And trying to find any information about that a football team exists at Northwestern in this yearbook is basically impossible. After going through all these yearbooks and finding, like, multi-page spreads with game-by-game information... You would not know that the football team existed at this school. Oh my god, that's why I know the Rick Grad's falling down on the job. Let me tell uh, you. Rick Venturi was an interim coach of the Saints uh, <laughs> in 1996. Oh god, uh, hold on, is that when we fired Jim Mora? Yeah, we fired Jim Mora, the original the Jim Mora, the elder, the elder, yeah, Jim Mora Senior. Uh, uh, they fired him. Let's see, at the time they fired him, the Saints were two and six. Uh, Venturi took over and they finished one and seven. So <laughs> channeled a little Northwestern there for the Saints. It's in the wall. Uh, he had a way better win-loss record for the Saints than he did for Northwestern somehow. <laughs> there are many coaches who have better win-loss percentages than Pat Fitzgerald. My favorite that has a better win-loss percentage than him is from 1882 to 1890. Northwestern had no coach. No coach is better than Coach Fitzgerald apparently. <laughs> My apologies. I am in the I am in the wrong Northwestern. This is Northwestern College. <laughs> also, North no no. This is sorry. This is Northwestern College of Minnesota, also known as Northwestern oh. Bible and Missionary Training School, also known as Northwestern <laughs> School of Northwestern College and the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You know, this happens a lot. One of the uh, the confusion is very common even at Northwestern. I remember in um, I forget if it was my sophomore or junior year of college northwestern basketball was actually kind of solid and there was like brief hope they might make the ncaa tournament and they didn't even make the nit which was really a scandal they should have made the nit but they didn't and they very much didn't make the ncaa tournament but northwestern state did make the tournament and because it was a purple team with northwestern in the name there were people in the daily Northwestern newsroom who were really psyched that we'd finally made the NCAA tournament. And I had to explain, no, this is a team in Natchitoches, Louisiana. So this is like, this is how we all, we all thought that coach O was going to Northwestern. (laughs) (laughs) Same deal. Same deal. It's just the opposite way. So, and then they're both purple and white. There's a little bit of orange in Natchitoches. (laughs) Does Northwestern not have a yearbook? Northwestern State? No. The, oh. Northwestern no. University does have a yearbook, which I only know because when I worked at the Daily Northwestern, Andrew Bird was playing a show in town, and his press people didn't send a photo when I was the entertainment editor. And I found his picture in the Northwestern yearbook, and I scanned it and used his yearbook photo um, <laughs> with the article we published in the entertainment magazine. Uh, I'm going to complain to you then, sir that the Daily Northwestern is not available online for free for non-Northwestern students. Liberate the data. It's under, it, you, have that, to, you have to have an alumni account. We have to oh, FOIA the yearbook? For the archives. No, no we I mean, can't FOIA shit. Northwestern's a private it's a university. university. Oh, that's right. Damn it. Rude. There you go. Oh, here we go. No, there's, oh, okay. I found a great picture of, of Coach uh, Parsegian. Par- say it again, his name? Era Parsegian, I Parsegian, believe. Parsegian, yes. A good Armenian name. 
I just dropped a picture of him. He's super happy. Yeah, there's a really good article on Inside NU, which I'll drop into the chat, that was about uh, Parsegian's forgotten importance at Northwestern after he because he passed in 2017. And he came back to Northwestern to be honored a few times. Him and a lot of like Notre Dame stuff, but not a lot of stuff from his time at Northwestern. He's he's the one that got away for Northwestern football. He he actually, after he retired from Notre Dame, said he wanted to spend the rest of his career in Evanston. Um, and instead, they let go the best, uh, argue, quite inarguably the best coach who ever went there. And we know how good he was because of what he managed to do at Notre Dame, which sucked until he went back there. They had a real lull in the 60s, and he completely revived them as a program. After starting in 1964, after doing this 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 bit for as long as we've been doing it at this point, we've come across several themes, and one of them is amazing coach at small school has great year, and they managed to run him off somehow. This was Mississippi mm -hmm. State. This was a couple others too. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just astonishing. It's never like he got offered a better job and left on purpose. It's right. always like for some reason they did not at all appreciate what they had. Um, I won't go into all of my negative opinions about Pat Fitzgerald, even unrelated to the hazing issues, but the idea that he was the best Northwestern could do was clearly laughable. Yeah, really. A couple more, yeah, couple more pictures mean, I'm dropping in the chat from this alumni magazine I found. I mean, the, the theme is just like they had it good and then they, you know, I, I love the, the uppity like administrator is like, I don't like this guy getting all this shine now here. <laughs> like, you know, the Wazoo person runs off Lone Star Deets. Yeah. The, you know, the athletic director runs off. It, it just basically, he stopped coaching after what they did to him at Mississippi state, which is crazy. Um, it, it's, it's nuts uh, that, that, that happens. But again, that's why we tell you celebrate, celebrate everything because you don't know, how good this is going to last and you know, whether it's Northwestern, whether it's another school or, or anything, whether like it's that. Alabama, like you know, people, people, people get so, I think people get so like tunnel vision that yes, Alabama has been good for a long time, but man, ask any Alabama fan, like my age, uh huh. like there were bad times before Nicholas J. Saban. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I remember as oh, yeah. the young person on the pod, I remember the fear of the thumb era. It's yeah. really not that long ago. And that's, yeah. and that's the thing about the sport. It can change on a dime. No one is good forever. You got, this, is, this is why Memento Mori exists, okay? In the Roman Triumph, when you go along, you have someone whispering Memento Mori in your ear mm -hmm. because it's not always going to be like this. Someday this will die, and someday it will all be gone. Yeah. And, and you have to, and not even like on a metaphysical sense, it's a... No one is more than a couple of bad seasons away from their program. Just like college Ohio programs are beautiful. State, yeah. But. Remember that you are mortal. Yes. Fucking, but, but you know, you know, Nick Saban has a room with a skull in it that he looks at <laughs> and just keeps like whispering it. Cause, cause I forget who said it, but Nick Saban, the, the idea is that he still works on the idea that if he fails at this job, he's going to have to go get a job at a gas station. Like that's still his that's still his driving fear and force, which makes sense for what he does. He has that fear of like, if I fail this, I'm going to have to go work at a gas station. Like that's Nick Saban, Bucky's bathroom attendant. What if he were really good at that though? Right. He'd be we the would best. never know. 
he would be like fucking down there with a toothbrush. It'd be the cleanest Bucky's bathroom, which is which really is saying saying something. something. Yes. <laughs> I would go to that Bucky's. There is no question. I would go to that. Bucky's. You should. You should go to any Bucky's. It's an experience. Mm-hmm. What is Nick Saban's middle name? Oh, it's Lou. Sorry, I got it wrong. I said Nicholas Nikki- J. Saban. Yeah, Nikki Lou. Nikki Lou Saban, named after the unrelated coach who got Northwestern in 08 and one season. Good old Lou Saban. This will be such an unsatisfying season. Like you, you in your last game is a tie in a rivalry game. Oh, it's like we couldn't even lose. We didn't even win. Well, <laughs> I mean, not 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 to get too into Northwestern's worst period. Yeah, but it, it is worth remembering that big accomplishment that got Dennis Green Big Ten Coach of the Year in a season in which Northwestern went three and eight. Yeah was that they got a road win for the first time in 13 years. Jesus. And in that span, they had one road tie, which was the only tie that Rick Venturi pulled off. (laughs) Like, that was arguably the most impressive thing he did, was a road tie at Illinois. Oh my god, that's bleak. Alongside his 31 losses and his one pathetic win. I'm I'm just... Just stare into the void. A level of of bleakness that exceeds the pirates. So you want to know who the team that he beat on the road in 1982? Who was that? Michigan State. The Spartans. The Spartans. Good God. I don't... How do you even keep showing up? I mean, they didn't. Is, is the true. answer I, like like nobody went to Northwestern games in 1979 except like a few very sarcastic undergrads who were wearing brown paper bags on their head. Proto sickos. I mean, and they were and the band. The band were. had to show up. Numb had to go. The NU marching band had to go. Um, but when Green, I don't even know which one it was, but they got a win in 1982, I believe. Maybe it was 81. But they ripped down the posts and threw them in Lake Michigan. I remember this story. I remember this story. 82. It had to be 82 Which, because there was no wins in 81 or 80. Okay, yeah. It would have been 82. Yeah. And and the thing about that is you might assume because Northwestern is on Lake Michigan that the stadium is like right at the lake. And you'll see photos that make it seem that way. That's the practice facility. The stadium is a mile and a half from the lake. And so... They marched a mile and a half to Lake Michigan carrying goalposts. And, you know, honestly, I don't know if there's a fandom I support more than being willing to carry goalposts a mile and a half to fling them into a large freshwater body. The the goalposts yearn for the body of water. Yeah. Return, the return them back. Yep. I found it. <laughs> the Sports Illustrated vault. Uh, one in a row, one in a row, students chanted. Northwestern football <laughs> fans had chanted two weeks earlier while gleefully uprooting the goalposts in Dyche Stadium, uh, marching them one and a half miles to Lake Michigan and tossing them in. Their Wildcats, the athletic Jet Sam of the Big Ten, had just ended the longest losing streak in NCAA history at 34 games with a 31-6 to defeat of Northern Illinois. Suck it, Huskies. <laughs> okay, folks. I think that's all we got for tonight. <laughs> I can't I can't deal with anything sadder, guys. I have to look at my son tomorrow and tell him they're still good in this world. 
listen to sickos committees eat no, Arby's. honestly I, sorry i i have to i have to speak up there's nothing more optimistic than chanting one in a row that is true because that finds happiness in the moment yeah. and the possibility for two that's right right and that's what they call eat, the drink and strip. be merry for tomorrow we lose 31 in a row <laughs> memento mori one in a row <laughs> one in a row one in a row one in a row